So hello, everybody, and welcome to the Return of Ritual online show. My name is Amber Winston, and today I am very honored to have uh, a remarkable guest join us. Um, I first came across a lot of her work through a dear friend. She introduced me to the goddess space, and immediately from that moment, I was just intrigued. I thought that Anushka was amazing. She was doing amazing work in London, creating these gorgeous sacred spaces and women's circles. And I just knew I needed to reach out to her and, and discuss. Um, so today I would like to welcome Anushka to the Return of Ritual online show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So the first question that I have for you, I kind of like to do a little bit of an icebreaker in the beginning, um, mm -hmm. is kind of a fun question. What is your sign? Pisces. Pisces. And do you feel like you connect with that sign? Yes, full embodiment connection. <laughs> How so? Um, well, it's said that Pisces is the oldest water sign. So it kind of invites you to dive to the depths of every aspect of what the element of water within you, which is usually your feelings, your emotions, your sensitivity, your connection, um, your fantasies, your dreams, everything that you can kind of ride on water with. Um, and yeah, I immerse myself fully in those watery realms and often flow too strongly with certain types of them, which is another aspect of the Pisces. Um, so yeah, I definitely feel very connected to my sign. I, I'm um, right on the cusp of air in Pisces. So um, I have that, like the water, and then I have the fire um, as well. So I, I know about the emotion, emotions and the, and the wateriness myself. Um, that's beautiful. So the, the next question I have for you, because you have this um, beautiful ability to create a sacred environment for people to gather and to really have deep healing um, occur. I'm really curious, how did the goddess space start? I know it started about five years ago, but can you just tell us a little bit about your journey to birthing um, the goddess space and the circles that you hold today? Definitely. Well, sacred spaces have always been a big part of my life. Um, my mom is an interior designer, so I grew up with our home constantly changing as she changed. So spaces were, I understood the depth of a space from a really young age about how you could create spaces and how it could contain feelings, emotions, experiences, events, anything. The power of a space was always, yeah, super important to me. Um, so I kind of learned about spaces through my mom, through my upbringing, and then began my own spiritual journey at about 22. Um, and it came from a big breakup that I had that basically awakened me to reconnect back to myself, to um, figure out really who I was. And this journey took me to amazing places, gave me incredible experiences, but the most, I guess, important aspect of my journey was the women that I met along the way. And the women that I started meeting, especially at the beginning of my journey, felt like my guides who'd kind of just appear from nowhere and 
hold space for me and share with me and teach me and inspire me and connect with me in ways that I hadn't really experienced before. Um, and specifically one woman who, who came to me on my path, she is an incredible woman, um, an astrologer, a witch, a herbalist, a tarot reader, all wrapped up in a million other incredible feminine practices. Um, and I started studying with her and learning with her. And one of the most profound moments of that was when I started becoming so empowered from all this wisdom and realized that I, I couldn't just keep this for myself. I needed to share this knowledge, this wisdom, what I was learning from this amazing woman. I needed to share it with everyone else because I felt I couldn't just keep it for myself. Um, and so I started opening up my living room and welcoming women into my space with this witch holding space and sharing with, with all the girls what she was teaching me. And that was, yeah, the first time I kind of unintentionally held a women's circle. And then it just continued. More women wanted to come. The space grew bigger, more frequently. As I kind of journeyed with her, she began to kind of pass the baton on to me. And I started to hold space in different ways. And that's really how the goddess space was birthed. It was birthed from a calling to share mm. the ancient feminine practices that I was learning with other women and I think it's so nice that um that was really rooted in like a spirit of generosity mm. you know that you were experiencing so much beauty from your guide from your teacher and that you just wanted to share that I think that that's just so beautiful that that generosity and I've also you know heard the phrase when the student's ready the teacher appears that's too sweet. so it sounded almost like she was just delivered to you on your path. Um, do you still work with her a lot today? We don't work together like that, but um, we've kind of gone our separate ways, but she, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful part of my journey, so. Oh, gorgeous. Um, the next question that I have for you, you know, the, about, and the, the inspiration that I found about um, really creating this online show, Return of Ritual, was through curiosity and observation. So I've really observed in our Western modern society some things that are, are really taking over. Technology, um, working too much, you know, the stressors of just modern day life. Mm -hmm. And my observation was that the sacred ritual or just the sacred in every day um, has kind of been removed or um, dismembered almost. Mm -hmm. And I and I observed that a lot of ancient cultures and traditions, you know, sacred ritual and ceremony was really the heart of those communities. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really curious to, to learn about what is your morning, your ideal, because every day is different, I get that, mm -hmm. your ideal morning or evening ritual. What does that look like for you? So it does change. Um, I get inspired by different rituals as and when I learn them and yeah, what feels good one month might not feel as good the next. So I'm really flexible with my rituals. Um, and I like to kind of keep a handy toolbox of them, but my ideal ritual at the moment, especially as it's dark right now, um, and I wake up to darkness as well. 
would be to, before I wake, um, as I wake, really just kind of lie there and spend a few moments just bringing in some gratitude. Um, so just calling in the things that I'm grateful for from yesterday or that I'm grateful for in this moment and what I'm grateful to look forward to for the day coming. Um, and then everything's slow in winter for me. So getting out of bed slowly, opening the curtain slowly, making the bed slowly, just having a really slow start to my morning, making a tea slowly. Um, I try as much as I can to kind of honor the light and dark of the seasons. So because it's dark, I tend not to put harsh lights on in the morning. So I'd light a candle and again, just like ease my way into the day really slowly, really honoring the phase that we're in right now. Um, and yeah, for me, if I feel I need to do a meditation because my mind feels busy, then I will honor that, do a meditation. If I feel like I need to do a yoga practice because my body feels stiff, then I'll go forward and do a yoga practice. Um, I have my beautiful dog who is my morning ritual. So without fail, he's, you know, my first port of call to kind of stop thinking about me and, you know, look to him. Um, and yeah, that would be my ideal morning ritual during winter. So what I find so fascinating about that is people that live in parts of the world where they can really honor the seasons and um, design kind of their day around the season. I find that so fascinating because I live in Southern California where it's sunny most yeah. of the year. And so what about, what's your advice for anybody listening to this that, you know, certainly there's going to be people listening who live in places like you do where there's strong seasons and light mm -hmm. and dark. But what about for people who are listening to this that, perhaps live in a more yang or more sunny environment, how would you suggest that they can honor these natural rhythms of light and dark? So one way that I really like to check in with myself before I wake is to do kind of a body scan or, or just spend a bit of time being in my body before I get out of bed. And immediately I'll be able to tune in as to whether I feel yang, I feel energized, I feel bright and sparkly today, or actually whether I feel a bit achy, I feel a bit tired, I feel a bit introverted, and just having a few moments to just understand where I'm at as I'm waking up really supports me in what I need to do that morning for myself. So if I wake up and there's anxiety there and there's fear there and there's stress there, okay, I know I got to spend a bit more time on my morning ritual. I got to do a meditation. I got to center myself. I probably want to move my body. You know, I'll start to engage and understand what I need. I might pull a card. I might need some clarity on something. I might write in my journal. If I'm feeling really sparkly, you know, I might want to spend 10 minutes writing a gratitude list. Whereas if I'm feeling a bit inward and a bit lower, that might not be what I need in that moment or what's going to support me in that moment or what feels effortless and easy in that moment. So I think the dark and light of, of the seasons is always a mirror and reflection of the dark and light within you. And if you find, you know, oftentimes I always say in London when it's summer that I feel in my body like it's winter. 
you know, and I can't connect to the sun being so bright outside and everyone being outwards and active because I'm feeling so tired and inwards. Like I just want to close my curtains and shut the world away, you know? So Mm -hmm. understanding the seasons and nature for me is, is a way for us to understand the seasons in ourselves. Um, so if you don't have the seasons as an outward mirror for you, then really tuning into your own seasons within before you get up and begin your day will support you, I feel, in yeah, figuring out what ritual would be best for you in the morning. I, um, when it rains here in San Diego, I get so excited and I, people think I'm crazy. But I'm like, I love the rain. Oh my gosh, there's clouds in the sky and it's just, for me, I think that, um, you know, my parents both from England and they immigrated here to the States. So I was born here, but I think there's just a soul piece of me that kind of really feels at home, maybe in the gloomy weather, um, because every time it rains, I get this energy here and everyone else is like moping, you know, inside. And I'm like, I'm ready to be creative and go outside. And um, so it's, I think you're, what you, the message you just shared is really powerful. It's, it's one, taking a moment in the morning to just be in your body. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us are um, conditioned to just grab the cell phone or just get up and turn the lights on and get going. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just so nice of you to remind us to just lay in your bed and tune in with your body for a couple of minutes. Use that wisdom to then propel you into what your day will ultimately look like. So thank you for that. How would you say that sacred rituals or ceremonies, I know you touched on it a little bit briefly with your um, story about a a breakup and that kind of pushing you forward, but how would you say sacred ritual or ceremony has played a role in your own healing journey um, back to self or to remember or to awaken? Well, I think... um there are two aspects of it. There's the kind of solo private rituals that you have your kind of own communication with the divine that is private to you. And then there's the ceremonies which call you together with women or men or however you feel the calling together, which give you a sense of community, of power, of strength, of oneness. And both of them are so important in cultivating your connection to spirit, to the universe, to energy, to yourself. Um, And for me, yeah, kind of like I said, both directions have helped me return back to myself. You know, the world at large can be a very distracting place and we can lose ourselves in the distraction. Everyone wants something from you. Everyone needs something from you. Everyone's telling you who to be, how to dress, what to look like, where to go, what school to go to, what job to have, what's acceptable and not acceptable. And through the process of life, what I found is all of a sudden I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't know who was shining back at me, you know? And that was the moment that I knew that I'd lost my way, I'd lost my sense of self. And when you connect to rituals privately and in community, in sacred communities, you're given the space to remember. And this is why I feel 
both are so important in you know this kind of secular world that we live in now is to remember who you are amidst everything yes i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more with that i've noticed in some of your work that you do these amazing pop-ups where you will create a beautiful sacred space somewhere public and you'll offer um, goddess readings or tarot readings. Um, so could you maybe talk a little bit about how you work with the tarot and um, how we can maybe use tarot as a, as a ritual for people that are interested? Definitely. So tarot and any type of oracle cards are direct communication with the divine. So I believe very much that the universe is always communicating with us, always talking to us, always guiding us. But sometimes it's really hard to hear the messages unless you're very tuned in. You know, again, like I said, we're, we're, there's noise everywhere. So a, a sign could be right in front of your face, but if you're not looking, you're going to miss it. Um, so what tarot and the oracle cards do is give you an instant direct communication to the universe, whereby you can tune into yourself, create a little private ritual space, do a little meditation center, ground yourself, ask for help, ask a question, pull a card. And you are receiving in that moment, in that sacred space that you've created, a direct message from the universe. So that is how I work with the cards. Um, Typically, I use goddess cards as a way to firstly really spread awareness of the goddess energy um, and to share it with, with women because most people have heard of tarot cards, but not a lot of people have heard about goddess energy or know about it or can connect to it. And because I just work with women, allowing them to create a connection to their own divinity through the cards is so powerful and magical and you know god has been a man for far too long so it's very um yeah beautiful to introduce that and share that and then for people that are um maybe really inspired by this or they want to start using an oracle deck or a goddess deck to connect to the divine um you mentioned, you know, grounding beforehand, asking a question, uh, pulling the card, and then what? So for people that are maybe new, um, what would you advise? You know, do they immediately open the book and read the, the description? Or what would you recommend would when they pull say, the cards to do first? I would say to throw away the book as quick as you can <laughs> when you buy the deck. Um, you already know the answer is the truth. The answer is already deep within you. So all these cards are going to do is give you a kind of little guideline or push or direction in the right way, a, a message to, to something that you already know the answer to. So if you read the book's description, this is someone else's interpretation of the image you're seeing before you. So what it does is it, it in my experience, activates the mental realm to turn on. It activates the mind 
to start thinking what it means instead of activating your heart, your imagination, your creativity to feel into what this means, to see through the card, to hear the voice of the card, to connect to the energy of the card, which is how the divine will communicate through the card to you. Um, but words, they, yeah, that they, they live on a quite a mental realm so that they can kind of too easily take you into your mind. And um, so I would definitely say you want to look through the card. You want to look for symbols, colors, images, um, facial expressions, anything that might elude you as to what energy this card is reflecting back to you. What does this card want you to know in regards to your question? Mm. You mentioned something that I think was really powerful. You, you know, you said we all have the answer within us. Mm -hmm. And my observations have been so many people have lost that trust or that faith mm -hmm. in themselves that they actually do know the answer. Mm -hmm. And I think you touched on, you know, people being so distracted. And so how, how do we really encourage women and men to really believe in themselves again, that they do have the answer inside. Mm -hmm. So it's like a muscle and it takes a few times to really cultivate, but you have to start somewhere. So my journey to trusting myself is ongoing. Firstly, you know, it's goes up and down, but the times when I trust myself the most is when I really listen to myself and I go with it, even if it feels like the scariest thing in the world, if my heart feels like it's telling me something and I listen to it, I'm always led exactly where I need to be. Um, the issue I feel is moving through fear. Mm. You know, that's really the, the block, um, which is why I always suggest to my clients and the women I work with and myself, if you feel like you are don't trust yourself, then start really small. Start really small, really simple. I remember um, when I first began my journey, one of the big awakenings was that I was in an ice cream store and I was so almost like traumatized by the fact that I couldn't choose if I want, what flavor I wanted, you know, because I couldn't hear my own voice and I couldn't trust the decision that I was making. And it was so simple, but it affected me so deeply that I couldn't even choose which way to go, which one I wanted. But that was a great practice for me to be like, okay, what do you want? It was so simple. It was ice cream, right? right. So no one's going to die if I choose the wrong one. It's simple. <laughs> but it gave me an opportunity to be like, right, what do you want? Not what they want, not what I've been told to like. What do you like? What do you want? And you can make a decision and, you know, go slow. And you start to build up this muscle, to build up this belief that you can do it, basically, and that you can trust yourself and that you really know the answers. But I would say to people, anyone kind of starting out, anyone that's become aware that they, you know, might be disconnected from themselves, yeah, start small. It could be picking out what they want to wear, you know, question it. Do I really want to wear this today or would I feel better wearing something else? And just trust those little answers and allow it to build up because then you'll get to something big 
and you'll have the faith and trust in yourself to know who you are and to know what you want. Hmm. Ah, that's so powerful. And I think that those are such great examples and so relatable. Mm. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a restaurant or been with family and friends and like people can't decide what to eat on the menu. And so it seems to be so prevalent that people are just, they've lost their compass a little bit and they're off kilter. And so I really am just hoping that through, through sacred ritual and through these conversations, we can really inspire people to like, find that inside themselves again um, because it's so powerful and it's also I feel so freeing to know that you have the answer already and you don't have to seek outside for the answer I think that alone having that realization is is, takes a lot of pressure off Um, the next question I have would be around if somebody is hoping to kind of create a sacred space for themselves um, you talked about, you know, very personal sacred spaces and rituals with you commuting to the divine specifically, and then more social or more group gatherings. If somebody wanted to create a beautiful sacred space, maybe in their home where they can start to um, just explore the energy around them, what kind of advice or tips would you give to somebody who wanted to create their own sacred space? It would be to really make it sacred, meaning. Um, A sacred space is where you enter a space that is different from everyday life. And so you have to create the space for that in your home. So whether that is penciling in your diary on a Monday that you're going to create a sacred space on a Thursday and you have four days to build up to this moment, you know, so you allow the energy to begin a few days before when you've set that intention, I'm going to create a ritual space for myself. Over those next few days, you might begin to collect things for your ritual space. You might buy some candles. You might get a beautiful incense to burn. Um, You might tune in to, okay, what could this space offer me? What could it create for me? Or is there something, question I want to ask? Is there something I want to know? Is there a connection I want to make? You can really feel into actually what this space could be for you. Is there somebody I need to release from my life? Is there somebody I want to call into my life? You know, is there a job that I need to move the energy with? You can make it intentional because a sacred space without intention creates no magic. So intentionality, creating a space that is different from other spaces. Um, If you have kids or families at home, let them know create privacy for yourself um, so that you won't be disturbed, so that you can focus, so that you can fully be there. And then make the space beautiful, adorn the space, bring flowers into the space, bring an offering into the space, make it sacred, make it special. Um, Dress up for your sacred space. So whether that is putting on your favorite pajamas or a robe or a spritz of perfume, you know, dress up for the space. Come as your best. Everything with intention. Um, And then, yeah, you might want to do a little meditation before you begin. Ground yourself. You might want to do a little smudging where you can use sage or frankincense or any type of cleansing herb to lift 
shift any kind of stagnant energy off of you so that you come into the space pure. Have your tool ready, have, you, have everything you need in the space, whether it's a journal, whether it's matches to burn something, pen, tarot cards, oracle cards, whatever you need for the space, make sure it's all there so that you can focus, so that you can be there intentionally. Um, yeah, those are the tips I would suggest. Thank you for those. I think those are very inspiring. And just making it very different than our everyday life. You know, a lot of us may decorate our homes with candles and incense. And, and so you might notice that your natural environment has all of those things. So I think what's so inspiring about what you mentioned is that you're actually consciously creating a different world almost and stepping into that. And I love that you said maybe think about starting to create your sacred space a couple days before and then have, have the energy build and then also have fun with it. Like what starts to pop up in those next couple of days and, and you can bring those to your sacred space. Yeah. You mentioned um, kind of clearing, you know, maybe smudging or frankincense or Palo Santo or something when you're in your ritual. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you're holding sacred space for large groups of women for healing and transformation to occur. Mm-hmm. How do you manage your own energy field? So how are you kind of clearing energies through those ceremonies or at the end of the day, do you have any specific rituals for your own energetic maintenance? Yeah. So most of my energy is actually spent creating the space. Once I step into the space, I am holding space as a vessel. So as long as I put my intention into creating the space, then I can surrender and allow the space to flow once I'm in it. Um, So before I create the space, firstly, if I'm creating space, usually in the evening, um, I'll take at least two, three hours before I begin holding the space to really rest. Um, And this for me is a way that I can kind of clear my energy field, feel really clean and clear. I'll do a meditation. I will begin to gather my things again really slowly because I'm stepping into quite a yin energy. So I slow down very much before a gathering, Um, allow myself to get as clear as possible. And then when I gather my tools, I gather my ritual props, everything I need. I'll go into the space, I'll do a smudging before. Then I'll begin to flow and create the space. And because it's all done with intention, it's, it's done in quite a meditative space. So I don't speak to anyone, I'm just quite focused and um, just in the space with it. And then I don't allow anyone in until about five minutes before the space. And that just gives me time to tune in, connect, call in, and yeah, feel, feel like I'm ready to allow whatever's coming through me to come through. Um, I'll do a smudging at the beginning of the circle to cleanse the women. I'll cleanse myself. I'll cleanse the space again. Um, and then at the end, I'll cleanse the women. I'll cleanse the space. And then once everyone leaves, I'll cleanse myself again. So yeah, the cleansing really happens in the space, before the space, just after the space. By the time I leave the space, it's the magic's risen up to the stars by then. 
amazing. I think that um, I wish I lived closer because I would definitely be attending some of your circles. And so if anybody is listening to this and they are in England, um, you know, I highly suggest checking out um, Anushka and seeing, you know, maybe when her next pop-up is, her next circle, because I wish if I was there, I would be there. So I'm encouraging everybody else who, who's local to go experience kind of the magic that you're creating and the work that you're doing. I think it's so needed um, in this day and age. And I, again, I just want to thank you for all of the beautiful work that you're doing. Um, and speaking of that, you have generously um, offered for anybody who is a local resident. So I'm guessing around the London area, would that be correct? Yeah. Um, so around London, um, if you are local there, she's offering a free spot for her next women's circle. Um, so if you're really interested in that, you can just post a comment um, below the video and uh, we will pick one lucky winner to be able to attend that circle. And I could say for sure the next time I'm in town, I will also be venturing to participate in one of those. Uh, my last question for you, Anishka, is just if there's anything else kind of on your heart or any, any message that you feel like our listeners would benefit from, um, just anything or any archetype or any wisdom that really wants to come through, um, any last kind of final words? Mm. Um, having the support of women in a sacred space is probably one of the most transformational experiences women in this day and age can re-step into. So if there are any women's circles around your area or if you're feeling the calling after listening to this episode to create your own sacred space for other women. For so long we've been competing against each other, we've been betraying each other, we've been disconnected from each other and these spaces create a mass holding space for us to change that and for us to reconnect and remember that we are also connected and um, yeah, that would be my kind of final words to, to go and find a sacred space to gather with women because it will change, it will change you. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for, for being here and shining your light so brightly. Thank you, Anishka.